Welcome back to John Guest Remembers, the CCGF podcast chronicling the life and ministry of Pastor John Guest. We left off with Pastor John making his first trip to America. This week, John recalls some of his first experiences with American food, American cars, and American police. You can catch up with the rest of John Guest Remembers and its parent podcast, Our Church, Our Stories, on our website, ccgf.org slash podcast, or wherever you find your podcasts. Simply search for CCGF Talks. Thank you for joining us as John Guest Remembers. Out of arriving in Philadelphia, I had my first meal in a that, that first evening in a five hours difference between England. So he picked me up, I don't know, five or six o'clock. By about seven o'clock, we are down in Philadelphia. And he calls up his wife and uh, from a payphone, says, uh, you know, here we are. I've picked up this John Guest. I think we'll go to a restaurant for dinner and then we'll be home. So he took me to an American restaurant and it was a Stouffer's restaurant in Philadelphia. I know that we had one here in Pittsburgh that I used to love to dine at down in the city. The first thing you get is a salad. And before you've even really gotten into your salad, your first meal, your first course is coming. That's really unusual. The salad course in England is all by itself. You don't get the next course till you've eaten your salad. Well, they delivered the meal. So I said to Tom Frills, I said, well, what do you do with your salad now? You've got your dinner. He said, well, you kind of pick at it while you're eating your dinner. Was <laughs> his, I think, exact phrase. So that's, you know, I thought, oh, okay. But it seemed, you know, awkward eating salad and a main cooked course. Anyway, we get back into Philadelphia and they put me up at this kind of mission home on this schoolhouse lane, and that's where everything unfolded. But the next day, I go out onto the streets of Philadelphia. So I'm living in this uh, three or four story building where missionaries home on furlough could stay. And there was nobody else in the house because it was coming up on Thanksgiving and they were away on vacation. So I got this big house to myself and they saw me into the house and, uh, you know, they said, get your, fix yourself something for breakfast. There'll be food in the refrigerator, which there was, and uh, some cereal and whatever. And then I went out to the store. Well, the first supermarket I ever walked in, American supermarket, we didn't have the supermarkets in England. I'd never seen anything like it. You know, like a half a dozen different kinds of bread, some of it sliced, some of it not, some of it packaged, some of it not. A whole array of fruit juices. Whatever they had was over the top. You know, shelves of the same kind of food with different producers of the food. And that's when I was, a couple of things staggered me. I saw Heinz soup, Heinz baked beans, H.J. Heinz. Well, that's big in England. So I thought, H.J. Heinz. So we can't, we're exporting food to America. That can't possibly be the case. I didn't realize that Heinz had their own UK, England branch and produced all this food in England. That sort of thing quite amazed me. And so I, uh, while I'm in the store, I thought, well, what can I get myself uh, to eat? You know, major food. And, I, and I'd never heard of pizzas, but I saw frozen pizza in a, you know, variety of pizzas in an open uh, refrigerator. So I picked up one of these and read the ingredients because you could see the pastry. But the other ingredients that came with it were 
uh, tomato sauce and cheese and maybe pepperoni or something. I thought, well, I like all those things. So I took it home with me. I bought one and took it back to my apartment. Well, then I read the instructions on how to fix it, cook it. And it said to heat in this pan, in a pan. I thought, a pan? That must mean a frying pan. So I got up there, had a big enough frying pan to put this uh, 10-inch pizza in. I think that was about the size. So I heated up the frying pan. I thought, now, which side should I cook first? And I thought, well, makes sense to do the soft side first. So, you know, you've got the side with the cheese on it and the sauce. I put that face down in the frying pan and heated that up. Well, when it came to turn time to turn the thing over and cook the other side of the pizza, the dough, all the cheese and everything stuck to the bottom of the frying pan. So you lift it up and it's all, you know, like stretching stringy cheese. And I turn it, I say, these dumb Americans. <laughs> oh, that was my, I really did say that to myself. What on earth do they think they're doing, you know, having a cheese that sticks to the bottom of the pan like this. Uh, that was one experience. Another was this, going out onto the street, you know, walking around the dayline to, to go down to this supermarket that I found. I passed a policeman on the street. And he's got a pistol in a holster. And so he looks more like a cowboy with bullets in his belt and a pistol in his holster. I said, whoa, this looks dangerous. He had a kind of casual saunter as, you know, as he's walking around the street. It's not like he's stiff and starchy like an English cop. He's uh, kind of casual and checking things out and just sort of sauntering around. That was fascinating, as were your mailboxes. You know, we have a very distinctive kind of mailbox in England, a letterbox, as we call it in England, postbox. And uh, so I'm checking that out because I walked past one of those uh, U.S. mail. And all the little differences, driving on the wrong side of the street, streetcars running on rails with uh, overhead wires, that was a new experience. We had trolley buses in England, in London only, that I knew of, running off wires, but they were regular tires running on the street. I just loved all of it. Of course, everybody's speaking with an American accent and a Philadelphia accent to boot, which is like New Jersey, which is like. We think all Americans speak, you know, it's sort of a James Cagney, uh, Humphrey Bogart kind of talk, you know, Robert Mitchum, you know, ah, 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 um, kind of language. And so I'm soaking this in like it was heaven, no responsibility, walking around in a foreign area with, but I could understand the language and, uh, you know, all, everything either in print or spoken fascinating. And I loved every second of it, just inhaled it. My first night, so I slept there, woke up in the morning, bathroom, went to the bathroom, took my little domestic kit with me for shaving and cleaning my teeth and so on. I'm looking out the window and there's a, a tree that comes up to the window. And there were two birds that I saw in that tree that I've never seen in England. And I love birds. I mean, I'm, that was one of my deals. Um, fascinated with different birds and bird life. One was a cardinal, and the other was a blue jay. Both dramatic, 
And I remember going to my friends, the Frearsons, when I met them later that day, they came and picked me up. I said, well, I saw two beautiful birds out through the bathroom window this morning. One was a bright red and the other was a bright blue. And they described, you know, that was the equivalent in the US of, uh, you know, house sparrows in, in London. I mean, they're ubiquitous, everywhere present. And I was absolutely fascinated with my awareness of bird life here. So that was my first morning, being enchanted with these birds outside the bathroom window. So I've arrived in America. The fact that I was converted through Billy Graham opened up doors to yet another whole variety of evangelical Christian in Philadelphia. So here and there, I was invited to speak. I remember speaking at a, a Christian women's club in Abingdon, which is a suburb of Philadelphia. And uh, the Lord blessed that. And the man who and his wife who had introduced me to that uh, group, well, he was an Englishman and his wife an American. She was the daughter of a well-known preacher in Philadelphia. His father had come over to work with Billy Graham, the Mitchell family, Ruth and Alan Mitchell, and they became very good friends. They were older than I was, but not old. They had teenage daughters. My playing guitar and playing some of the contemporary Beatles songs as well as Christian music that sounded like it made me a fan of the kids. Um, it introduced me around and about to uh, another audience yet. So I ended up speaking at a, a weekend conference in the Pocono Mountains for young people who were gathered together out of the Philadelphia larger. So I became known as a, an English, my voice was much more English in those days, but preaching from the Bible and calling people to a commitment to Christ so that uh, there was quite a broader influence by way of relationships that came in the Philadelphia area. So it was in that situation then that, uh, for instance, I met one of the men in the church where I was, was a leader in the larger Christian community. He was a big-time banker down in Philadelphia. He wore the dark Homburger hat, I think it was called, to go to work. It was very formal. His name was Charles Nagel. His wife was Mildred, and uh, they became good friends. In fact, the first time I drove an American car, he had a Buick LeSabre, which was a big car in those days. We're in 1964, so they were low and wide. And uh, we had been to town one day in Philadelphia. Uh, they'd taken me out to dinner and to see a movie, and uh, we were driving back into mainline Philly, where he lived, before he dropped me off in Germantown. And he said, would you like to drive the car? And I said, oh, I'd love to. So he pulled into a, a parking lot, a large, vacant parking lot of a high school, maybe. And so he got out and I got in the car and drove it around the parking lot. I had an English driving license, which carried over to the USA, but they, they weren't going to let me out on the, the highway driving on the wrong side of the road. So I'm driving around the parking lot and I'd never driven in a, a car that had power steering and power brakes. So I'm driving just modestly, maybe 10 miles, 15 miles an hour, not very long. And he, Charles, was sitting in the back with his wife, 
Mildred. And when he said, well, stop, if you will, and I hit the brake like it was a regular car in England, which stopped me on a dime. And uh, he (laughs) still makes me laugh almost hysterically. He hit the ceiling of the car. I stopped it so quickly. He hit the ceiling of the car at the back. (laughs) And it drove the hat on his head down over his ears and eyes. And I looked in the mirror and was started laughing. And I took my foot off the brake and uh, not realizing that a power-driven car will start rolling again under without your foot on the accelerator. So while I'm laughing and he's adjusting his hat, uh, I, I look up and we're moving again. And I hit the brake again. And he hit the ceiling again and drove this uh, hat down over his head again. Oh, and he was so particular and precise, and his wife Mildred was a real gentle lady. So that was my first experience of driving a car. That was before they ever gave me the leased car and uh, took me for a ride around so that I got used to the wrong side of the road to me. Another incident that I don't know that I've ever talked about, but Tom Frierson had an older car, like a gangster car. Uh, His son, who got into cars later, was really angry at him for selling it because it was near a classic at that point. But he gave me that car. It was an interim period before I got to rent one, um, before they gave me a rented car. And it had a very small back window that was low so that when I sat up at the front driving, um, I... A car behind me was uh, barely visible, the whole of the car. So I'm nearly all the way back to the house where I was living on West Carpenter Lane in, uh, in Germantown, where I was staying with this now elderly lady, the widow. And as I pulled up outside the, the house, I realized that there was a police car behind me with his light going. So he came around to my car, and I was shocked. But he'd been following me for some while, but I hadn't seen the light. So he wanted to know why on earth I hadn't stopped when he flashed his lights. I said, well, to tell you the truth, that window at the back is so low and I sit high and uh, I didn't see you. So he said, well, let me see your license. So I took out my English driving license. So uh, that passed muster and I, I didn't get a ticket. In fact, being English with an English driving license got me out of a number of muddles. Because later I was going down a one-way street in Philadelphia the wrong way and didn't realize it. So now I've got another policeman on my tail. Uh, he said, you realize you're driving a wrong way down a one-way street? I said, no, I'm sorry. I didn't know that. So he said, well, let me see your driving license. And I get out my license and give it to him. And he says to his buddy, the other cop, he said, ah, he's British. And uh, they just let me off. That trip that we spoke about going down south in the rented car, coming back, we were going, I think, going and coming, but we took liberties with the speed limit. In North Carolina, I remember, getting pulled over for speeding. And we were going pretty fast. So the lights go on and the cops pull you over. And these were state troopers, North Carolina state troopers. Anyway, they pulled me over. Uh, Tom Frierson and his wife Alice were in the car with me. And so when they saw my English driving license, were very, very kind and said, you need to slow it down. 
But what was amazing, I, I had a camera in those days, uh, old-fashioned regular camera with film rolled in it. So I had my picture taken with the two troopers, one either side of me, as if they were arresting me. You know, it was a lot of fun. So instead of getting a ticket, I got a photograph of myself with these, uh, these state troopers in North Carolina. Uh, that British driving license was very useful. If you are enjoying this podcast, let us know on our Facebook page. You can find more episodes of John Guest Remembers and Christchurch's other podcast, Our Church, Our Stories, on our webpage, ccgf.org slash podcast, or wherever you find your podcasts. Thank you for listening.